program everybody you just stepped inside of psychotic bump school the place where education and entertainment meet at the intersection of funk and soul my name is dj rome and i want to welcome you to another exciting edition of psychotic bump school so ladies and gentlemen tonight oh my goodness we got so much happening in our nation and you know we got you covered y'all oh we have a full lineup tonight so check this out we have some amazing speech and language pathologists joining us this evening. It's gonna be my first ever panel. Now I've had a speech pathologist on in the past, but I've never had a panel on before. So I wanted to bring them on to speak to the issues regarding our Democratic presidential nominee, namely Joe Biden. And he's been in the news partially because of people have questioned his fitness for office and largely due to his speaking mannerisms. So I wanted to bring on some experts who could speak exactly to that. We have Dawn coming back again, and also Dara Caldwell-Ross, two incredibly adept speech and language pathologists right from Southern California. They're gonna be joining us this evening. And also out of Houston, Texas, we're gonna have administrator, motivational speaker, and at-risk mentor, Kendrick Thomas. That good brother is going to be joining us to discuss the very latest in politics as well. In addition to how his work impacts the youth in the wonderful city of Houston in Texas. So it's going to be an amazingly full show and you might want to call your friends and family to the radio or the computer because we are about to set it off. So this is kcwgthetruth.com. My name is DJ Rome. Welcome to Psychotic Bump School. Stay tuned for more. We'll be right back with our first guest, Mr. Kendrick Thomas out of Houston, Texas, after this.
did nobody care They just put him in a box, nothing crucial And it was business as usual Just like they do in the Fifth Ward In the South Park and the Bronx and the Watts You know they got crooked cops Working for the system Making the less fortunate out of victims Cause don't nobody give a damn about the Poe It's double jeopardy if you're black or Latino They drop their guns and drugs in the slums Got us killing one another over crumbs Think I'm lying? Well damn, I got proof Name a section in your city where minorities grew And I'ma show you prostitutes dope in hard times And a murder rate that never declines And little babies sitting on the porch smelling smelly Crying cause they ain't got food in their bellies They call my neighborhood a jungle And me an animal like they do the people of Rwanda Fools fleeing their countries to come here black But see the same conditions ahead right back They find out what brothers already know Okay, we're back. KCWG, thetruth.com. The name of this program is Psychotic Bump School. My name is DJ Rome, and we are continuing our discussions with some very esteemed, distinguished brothers and sisters from across the land. And uh, I ran into this brother online, and uh, I was just excited to see what he was involved in. He is an administrator, a motivational speaker. Uh, he calls himself an at-risk mentor. That's all I needed to see. I know just from that alone, this brother's on the one. And he also has his own radio program and station, KTTV. So uh, the brother is, is, is involved in a lot of good stuff and I couldn't wait to meet him. And I'm happy to introduce him to you as well. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome for the very first time to Psychotic Bump School, the good brother, administrator, at-risk mentor, motivational speaker, Kendrick Thomas. Mr. Thomas, are you there? Yes, sir, I am here, man. What? Hey, man, I had to realize you was talking about me, man. Thank I'm you for that. I'm talking about you, brother. I'm talking about you. <laughs> hey, man. I just got to keep my head down. Yes, I'm, I'm okay, man. Yeah, we got to keep our head down and keep on going, right? Y yes, sir. Yeah, that's how we do. So, Mr. Thomas, ladies and gentlemen, is in the uh, beautiful city of Houston out in Texas. Is that correct? Yes, sir. H-Town. H-Town. Well, that's the home of uh, one of my favorite radio uh, hosts, uh, Mr. Roland Martin. And okay. um, mm -hmm. y'all are doing some amazing things out there. So good brother. Uh, the pandemic has wreaked havoc across this country and it is laid bare and laid to rest, man. So many people, I mean, by the time people hear this segment between you and I, uh, we're, we're getting really close to 180,000 deaths, my brother. And that is far too much. Um, you focus on the emotional health of young men. So how are the brothers doing out in Houston, man? You, you, you circle the city and deal with this stuff all the time, man. How are the fellas mm -hmm. doing out there in H-Town? Man, I will tell you from, from what I'm seeing, uh, it's, it's really a mix, man. You got mm -hmm. some people who understand that this is real um, and they are taking precautions as far as with the distancing, with the mask. Mm -hmm. uh, but then you got some people um, in the same sector that... Um, or really just lackadaisical, uh, for, for lack of better terms, man. And so they may put the mask on because they are required here. Mm -hmm. uh, but any chance not, uh, you know, I, I see a lot of congregating. I will say I was going to the gym about 4.30 in the morning because uh, I try to get there early, you know, before anybody yeah. pop. That's right. And, uh, man, I seen the after hours closing. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and so mm -hmm. I said, man, mm -hmm. this is the party. Really? Yeah, man. And so, uh, you know, Wait, it's, it's, so people were coming out of a night spot? Coming out of a night spot, man. Oh, man. 
Yes, man. I say, what's going on here, man? What's going so, on? Yes, and so like I say, it's it's fifty fifty, but it's rough. Oh man, so fifty fifty. So that that's important for me to hear because I, I'm, I'm gonna talk to you about some things tonight because I have to catch myself to not be so quick to judge. You know what I'm saying? So yes. based on what you saw at four thirty in the morning some people would impulsively or reflexively think, okay, that was a bunch of young people who don't know how to take life serious. But based on, you know, your estimation, uh, did those look like teenagers, young adults? Oh, yeah, most definitely young adults. Most definitely young adults. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. Okay. And I ask you because it's a lot of older folks, you know, older than you and I, that have uh, taken to this as if it needs to be a political football in terms of wearing Mm -hmm. a mask and protecting ourselves and it's really about science and so you work in the field of education as an administrator so when we come across issues that have had such a deeply resounding societal impact such as this how do you relate to your students in a situation like this can you give us a little insight as to what kind of questions you've had to encounter and come up with some answers for on the fly what's it been like for you good brother Man, I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, see, being in my role as an administrator uh, with this pandemic, so like as as an educator, you know, I get into it for the kids, and and I I love being an administrator. I get to go through the building to see the kids, but since this has been going on, I'm I'm popping in classes, but those mm-hmm. classes on Zoom are already going, you know, yeah. and so uh, I haven't really had a chance to have any conversations with the students per se because like I say by the time I see them they're in class but it's not really a time where I'm seeing them in the hallways or, or having those conversations at lunch man so yeah. haven't really any really any uh encounter anything mm-hmm. um but but I would say though uh I'm on a consulting group and so one of my things is uh, I wrote a we have Texas um uh, elementary principals and supervisors association here and so okay. i was honored enough to write a blog for them um and it talked about just bringing us back after this and so there will be those questions about your george floyd situations mm-hmm. or you know there will be questions about the death rate and so as we do have those questions i think we have to look at being uh open and we yeah. got to be prepared but i think that starts with a conversation with the teachers um, to having them realizing their biases so that they can kind of put their guards down to have those real yeah. conversations with students when they come. Absolutely. Now, from colleague to colleague, peer to peer, um, I have had a lot of meetings, well, prior to the summer break anyway, but some of, um, you know, I've had to find some allies, man, because, you know, even though I'm a psychologist myself, I'm a school psychologist, even me, man, I, I've had to lean on people for support you know, to to get through this. And like you said, the George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor and Ray Mm Sharp Brooks, all of that, man, I've Mm -hmm. needed to consult and lean on people. So uh, what, what, how would you describe the tone of the conversation among your colleagues and peers? And especially, let me zoom in a little bit more, (laughs) pun intended, Mm -hmm. um, the the, the brothers and sisters that work in your district or on your site. uh, What's that been like? Um, I will say the biggest thing about it is just, it seemed like everybody's willing to have that conversation, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, to just talk about what's going on. And I don't know if it was more because of the the Floyd situation really hit here in Houston. Um, Mm -hmm. And so then we had to deal with some things maybe different than anybody else because it was right in our face. 
Um, yeah. And so the biggest thing was if it was never another time in history now, whether you black or you white, you feel it what's going on now because you're at home, you're watching it, and mm. you are affected by it, and you really can't get away from it. Nope. And so uh, with those conversations, I think it's making people more open uh, yeah. to, to being empathetic to it. And so I, I think it's, it's a good move. Yeah. How do you think this will play into this um, combative election season that we're now in, uh, Mr. Thomas? Uh, the Democrats or the Democratic convention was just last week, a few days ago, and now we're coming up on the Republican convention. Your state of Texas uh, voted in the primary for uh, Mr. Joe Biden. California went with Bernie Sanders, but Mm -hmm. how does all that, you think, play into this uh, upcoming um, November election that we're gonna be facing soon? Um, The the biggest thing is all of the action that we're doing now is good, Uh, but if we don't mobilize and continue to do what we're doing to take all of this momentum into November, Mm -hmm. uh, we're gonna set ourselves up for real failure, man. Mm. Um, and you know, down here in Texas, um, you know, we know we're living in a red state. <laughs> we mm-hmm. know what's going on down here. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I was just talking to one of my school board members, as a matter of fact, um, just yesterday on how can we kind of set up a voter registration rally. Mm-hmm. Um, I have my radio show today, uh, and we over nine hundred seventy thousand listeners, and so I was able oh, to. Yeah talk about uh, the DNC, you know, and, and Kamala and, you know, just being alive to see um, a black president and then a woman African-American male to try to get into a, a, a spot too. So, mm. man, I think I think everything is going to be okay if we mobilize and continue this momentum. Mm. Uh, but but uh, it's a lot. It's a lot trying to go against us. Yeah. What are some of those forces going against us, good brother? I mean, no matter how you vote, uh, I'm assuming yeah. you said Texas is red, but, you know, I, I, I'm guessing you heard that, you know, some of the uh, pundits out there think that Texas is actually in play and could actually go, has the potential to go blue. It's not yes. a high chance of that, but, uh, well, you're, you're there. Uh, how likely is that that uh, Texas can go blue, one, and number two, uh, what are some of those forces that you mentioned that are working mm-hmm. against this being a very, very smooth process? Yeah, man. Uh, for one, uh, I'm not going to lie to you, man. I'm on the ground down here. I don't, I don't really, I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we can do like turn this thing blue. I, I think there are some spots that can, mm-hmm. but overall we talking about guns Mm. Um, you know, and so that is real big on the ticket, man. And so we know where Trump stands with the guns. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's 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 one of the biggest pieces. And so when that, mm. if there's not anything else that come with Texas, we're gonna talk about what are you doing, with my guns. And mm. uh, yeah, man. So it, as, as long as we where we stand on that, um, and then you think about all the oil time and the followers they got and so yeah. when we think on taxing the people at the top right um, and as long as we talk about those two things i think texas gonna hold man hmm. and the way they paint the other side um how you know how virulent is that perspective because they're, they're trying to frame the, the other side the opposition as being um really hawks when it comes to um 
gun ownership rights. They're coming for your guns. They want to take them away. They want to take away your yeah. privileges. Uh, how pressing is that? In, you know, when you talk about how strongly uh, Texas kind of defends that and go for Trump for that reason. Yeah, man, I'm telling you, it's real. Like, it's yeah. real. I, I remember through the, um, it was through the Beto. Um, mm, mm. And when he, he was going, man, he got all that momentum. <laughs> and I want to say, man, he said about one, two things about guns. Yep. Uh, and after he said that, <laughs> it was a wrap, man. And that was real life. I watched it in real time. Ooh. And so uh, with, with things like that, yeah, man. I don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that that kind of made me mad. Not because he said it, because it, it's not really the the majority of the the Democratic platform. Because what what Mr. Thomas is talking about, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Beto O'Rourke, of course, out of uh, is he out of San, not San Antonio? I can't remember no, what. Uh, no, I forget. Man. I forget that up. But yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. I was worried about him. It's like, how are you going to run for president and you can't even defeat Ted Cruz? I was worried about that just on yes. that front. And mm -hmm. people encouraged him to run. So he said he was built to run for president. But uh, yeah. during a debate, one of the uh, Democratic primary debates, he said, darn right, we're coming to take your guns. Um, and he was saying it on the heels of a shooting in his uh, community, in his district, where mm -hmm. uh, there were a lot of casualties. And so there was some, some poignancy to what he was saying. However, uh, of course, that was not a dog whistle to conservatives who say, oh, that, that's the confirmation. See, we told you, they're coming for the guns. But the reality is there's a lot of Democrats and, you know, quote unquote, liberals and progressives that support uh, gun ownership. Mm -hmm. And so it, it was unfortunate that, was, uh, that it was uh, perceived that way. But Beto yeah. O'Rourke didn't help his cause. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So, because of that, yeah, things are pretty deeply entrenched as far as uh, that particular issue. Where would you say the evangelical community is out there? You have any thoughts on how the the worship community is approaching this particular election, especially now that we have a record mm -hmm. that the yeah. government is running upon? What are your thoughts on that? Um, and 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 not really talking from a place of expertise. I would just say, as I observe, and and when you think about the mask or the, or, or even at one point, it seemed like the church openings and closing was at a mm -hmm. political place, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so then as I look at some of the churches down here that are more uh, mega, for, for if, you, if I can say that. Oh yeah. They fought um, to have church, you yeah. know? And so it, it was just where we had to start putting people on a, call list or shame list for mm -hmm. attempting to have church or opening up bars or restaurants uh, that was closed. And so when you look at those, uh, that kind of tells me where the evangelical community is uh, mm -hmm. for the most part down mm -hmm. here in Texas, when you think about the, the latter ones, the, big, the biggest money ones. Yeah. Um, I know uh, Good Brother Jakes is down there, right? T.D. Jakes is not in Houston, but he's in no, no. Dallas, I think. Yes, he's in Dallas. Down here we have old Osteen. You have old, old Osteen. Yeah, um, I mean, well, you know, yeah, we just old Osteen. Joe, <laughs> just Joe. Osteen. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how well received is he? Because I, I don't hear him, you know, sticking his foot in his mouth too much. And yeah. honestly, I don't know which way he leans. I'm a, can I, is it safe to assume that he leans uh, in favor of Trump? Yes, I, I would say, um, you know, 
I look at the way the church is, and he has some pretty prominent African-American members there who, um, you know, broadcast, who follow him with him. Um, I think who it was, Pastor Gray, uh, did a lot there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, I, I, but at the end of the day, too, you know, it's just the family that you come from. And also, I don't know how much he wouldn't be. You know, because mm-hmm. like I say, the the generations run thick on what they believe, and so then having money for a while, you know, you don't want nobody to take it. So then you kind of lean towards some things. Yeah, you do. This is KCWG, the Truth.com. The name of this program is Psychotic Rum School. I'm DJ Rome. We're speaking with the good brother, Mr. Kendrick Thomas. He's an administrator and motivational speaker out of the beautiful city of H Town, Houston, Texas. Sure. So one thing that concerns me, since we're talking about uh, forces that could potentially hamstring this whole thing, uh, mm-hmm. for the uh, progressives anyway, is this uh, intra-party scuffling that exists between the Bidenites and the Bernie bots, or the, mm-hmm. the, the Sanders supporters. You know, I don't mean mm-hmm. any disrespect. Um, how, in what way does that play out, out there where you are? Do you see a lot of that kind of uh, contention to where either his supporters are not on board with the uh, the Biden Harris ticket, or uh, maybe they never supported either candidate, and they're just young black men and women who say, "Look, uh-huh. there is not enough separation between either one of these cats, and I'm going to sit this one out." Uh, what uh-huh. have you seen out there your way? I haven't um, haven't seen anybody as far as against the um, against the Bernie, uh, you know, just just riled up in it. I will say. I was fortunate enough to be on a Biden for educators uh, mm. team and where we were able to um, put together like some information on a spreadsheet to talk about educators. And, and the way that we use this information was all of the regions here compiled some list of top things that educators would need. And this was to help Biden in picking his um, uh, uh, secretary of education. You know, so all of this information was something he would use for that. Um, And so as I talk to educators and I'm dealing with educators, I I haven't seen a really a divide in in my community or in my realm of influence. I've just seen everybody saying, "Okay, well, this is the person. Then let's get behind them and let's roll. Oh, well, Mm -hmm. I'm relieved to hear that, man, because uh, in California, they went for Bernie Sanders out here. Mm-hmm. Now I, I've gone on the record as like, as far as a primary, uh, by the time it came to California, Kamala Harris had already dropped out of uh, presidential election. Mm-hmm. And so I voted for Elizabeth Warren. And um, I voted for Elizabeth Warren because I was ready for a woman to uh, lead this country. I felt like uh, the woman who ran last time should be our president right now. Now I know yeah that uh, she had a rather polarizing effect on the electorate on both sides mm-hmm. of the tickets. <laughs> mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. I know she would have been a far, it, it would have been a far different experience had she been our president. And I don't think you'd be, I don't think you and I would be talking on Zoom right yeah. now if mm-hmm. she were our president and mm-hmm. forget all that stuff you heard about her. And you know, mm-hmm. you know what bothers me though, Mr. Thomas is like, they doing the same thing again. I mean, yeah. just because Kamala Harris, for example, is a woman and a woman of Asian descent and African descent. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going in on her, you know, yeah. and putting her to a litmus test that they don't hold male candidates to. Uh, uh, <laughs> we're all over the place with this interview. But any thoughts on just the selection of uh, Kamala Harris? I can tell you're already on board because you, you've done some things with Biden already. Mm-hmm. But 
What are your thoughts on the selection of Kamala Harris and what she means for this uh, ticket? Oh, man, you know, like I said, the biggest thing is being able to just see a woman of color um, to be able to be thought about for that position. So in that regards, the pickup is great. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't, because I really wasn't buying for her, I do know about her work, you know, in California um, as a what, prosecutor? Yes, sir. Yeah, so I, I do know a little bit about that. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I took it with a grain of salt because I haven't really, you know, you got some people that should be there. Maybe you got some people that don't, but you do. You got some people that should too. So yeah. I look at it um, as I, I didn't take it deep enough to see was how was she unfair, which way did she lean. Mm -hmm. um, but at this point, I feel that's who Biden rolling with. Um, <laughs> he got he got Obama on the sideline, so I'm pretty yeah. sure they talked it over. Yep. Uh, so I'm a ride. Yeah, man. <laughs> Roll up your sleeves and let's get after it. That's it, um, man. Uh, and, and I really appreciate that. It's very refreshing. So you talk a lot about uh, speaking to, uh, to the, the fellas. Uh, any thoughts on ways in which uh, the fellas can support this campaign? campaign? Um, you talked about voter registration and the whole thing and organizing. Yeah at the grassroots level. Um, mm -hmm. Can you talk a, a little bit more about some of the stuff that you do to uh, motivate and speak into the lives of the young brothers who are, you know, maybe coming of age now and going to be facing this electoral season? What are your thoughts, good brother? Mm -hmm. Oh, I mean, the biggest thing is I try to tell them, man, it's not about watching. It's not even about oh. talking. Come on. <laughs> it's about doing something, you yep. know? Um, and so, you never know who's looking up to you, so you always have to be that model uh, for somebody. And, and that model means showing them what they're supposed to be doing. And if voting is something that should be happening, then you are sharing that excitement of you being able to change the world through your vote with the kids who are listening to you and paying attention. Um, and so that's some of the things that I do, even as talking to my boys club um, as young people. Uh, mm -hmm. We would talk about, especially during the Obama time, you know, because they all, like I say, at risk, Title I kids, low poverty, yes. uh, which is a lot of us, you know, sad to say. And so then we talk about, look at this, man. This guy look like us. We could do this. That's right. You know, and so um, just just tell them to be a model uh, mm -hmm. in the community. And so those, that's how one of the biggest things. But also, just put it in your face, man. <laughs> you know, uh, mm -hmm. through my company, uh, I also do like t-shirts, so I got um, my merch, but I also have been selling a lot of uh, uh, Biden-Harris t-shirts um, and promoting those too, so just letting people know where I stand. Yeah, man. And you yes, know sir. what? I, I, I'm not mad about that because it's time to draw a line in the sand because if you're okay with what's happening right now, yes. with, with, with all this chaos happening and a scandal yes. every few minutes, Mm -hmm. rolling off the news cycle, then you should be ashamed of yourself. And I, mm -hmm. I'm trying not to wag my finger at anybody that votes yeah. differently than I do. I'm trying hard, Mr. Thomas. I'm trying yeah, I'm really you. hard. But we did tell y'all so, okay? Mm -hmm. We told you who this guy was. And he showed us who, we, who he was while he yes. was running for the, for the office. So we, you yeah. know, we saw his a lack of fitness for this office. And what trips me out is, you know, how many people are coming out again? I mean, 
did you happen to the, the, the Mary Trump book? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm deep into that book right now. I'm reading that mm -hmm. book right now. His sister came out over the weekend saying yeah. he can't be trusted, confirming everything that Mary Trump, his niece, said in her book. Mm -hmm. um, you know, God rest his uh, brother's soul, because I know he's mourning over the loss of his brother. I don't mm -hmm. you know, make fun of anybody going through a loss like that. But uh, Kellyanne Conway's daughter, George Conway, you know, his uh one of his uh, staff staff members, mm -hmm. uh, her daughter, their daughter, uh, you know, George Conway is not down with Trump and he's part of the Lincoln Project and their daughter, 15 years old, is now trying to get emancipated from her parents because yeah. she has long been against uh, this president or the occupant of the White House anyway, but she's also coming out kind of strong um, against her dad. And so I don't, like the the hypocrisy of the the party that's supposed to represent family values and mm -hmm. not that it couldn't occur in any any community no matter what your political leanings are you know i don't like to mock um misfortune falling upon anybody but it just speaks to the time that we're we're having all of these converge at this point you know it's like coronavirus police brutality george floyd and then families are struggling to stay together. And, yeah, you know, and, I'm, and it's not just a, a notion, you know, it's happening in his own family. Yeah, this is Jeff Kelly from the Pocho Hour Power on KPFK 90.7 FM. And you're listening to the Psychotic Bump School with your host, DJ Rome on KCWGTheTruth.com, the best internet radio station on the planet. Oh, yeah.
Continuing our discussion with the good brother Kendrick Thomas, he's an administrator out of Houston, Texas. KCWG, the truth.com. This program's called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. And uh, Mr. Thomas and I were just chopping it up even during the break, man. It's like you you are an easy piece of work to talk to, my brother. And uh, yeah, appreciate refreshing it. to get these insights from you. So uh, we were talking about your um, amazing um, radio podcast out there. So I definitely wanted to hit you up and talk to you more about that before we let you go. Mm-hmm. Um, honing in, man, um, do you foresee that, um, from an administrator standpoint, I mean, I I forgot to ask, uh, at what level are you an administrator? Are you elementary, primary, high school? Elementary life. Oh man. So why that's so powerful, of course, is that how often do young students get a chance to see a young black man or a black man period of any, um, age group uh, rocking it like that at the elementary level. Um, can you speak a little bit to how uncommon that is, what you do in uh, elementary administration? Man, I will just give you the numbers of my school, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we look at it, uh, I think 100, let's say 106 employees. Mm-hmm. There are um, two African-American males. There are maybe four males total mm-hmm. at my school out of all those people. Wow. Um, and so then that, that's the numbers. And so that's elementary in itself. Man. Mm. Not a, and so we were, I'm fortunate enough to work with my partner. He's also a Hispanic male. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, anomaly would they have both of us at the same school? Um, okay. But, but uh, yeah, it's crazy in elementary. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and that gentleman you're speaking of, he's your assistant? Uh, no, no, I'm the, I'm assistant principal. He's my partner. Got it. Yes, yeah. sir. Yes, sir. So the, the brothers that work there, how many of them are, are any of them in addition to you or that are educators? Yeah, my um, uh, coach. He's my coach, uh, PE coach. Right on. Mm-hmm. So it's just me and him, but he uh, he is also uh, my partner that helps me with uh, the boys club. And so we work together a lot, you know, because in my role, I, I try to make it to the meetings, but sometimes I just get mm-hmm. pulled to our meetings or something like that. And so He's really been instrumental in keeping the ship rolling. Oh man! Yeah, man. That's no easy task, right? Because our community, and like you said, if it's a Title One school, then the the needs are are pretty profound, right? So yeah, man. You know, with with that kind of support, um, you know, at your back, um, it's hard to not also consider the needs of young girls. Mm-hmm. Um, can you speak a little bit to how your programs also support the development and advancement and emotional um, well-being of young African-American girls? Can you speak to that? Yes. A little bit? yes. So um, what I did, man, I, I started teaching at my school, Hicks Elementary, in 2013. And before that, I was working uh, at a high school, man, and I started reading the book by Dr. Well, I don't know, but Principal Kofele, um, and it was motivating black males to achieve, um, or minority males, one of them. And mm-hmm. so I, I read that, and I started the Boys Club from um, just reading that book. And so once I started in 14, I brought it into the school, and it took off as a teacher. 
And so then the girls uh, said, well, we want to be in. We want to do something. Mm -hmm. And so I got with the counselor, and she started up a girls club. And so she's been pouring into girls um, since then. Uh, and, and since uh, doing the KTTV, I was fortunate enough to be asked to be on a board uh, of a program through my district. Uh, well, not through the district, but through one of the councils in my district called Good Girls. Mm. Uh, and man, they have, since the pandemic, they've been online empowering these young ladies. They've been doing art. Um, mm. They've been doing drama. They've been doing poetry. Any way to find these young lady outlets, but still giving them business skills. Um, the other day I got a message, so it's time for us to start looking for group homes um, mm. so that we can just bring in girls to just really pour into their lives and, and try to give them outlets or something. So it's a lot, man, that we're doing to try to cover the young ladies as well. Oh, bless your heart, good brother. Yes, sir. Uh, from the standpoint of an administrator that's in a position such as yours, uh, what are your thoughts on parent advocacy? Um, when we think about our community and mm -hmm. communities that are a little bit more affluent, mm -hmm. you, you can best believe that those are the communities that are pushing for in-person instruction, and if something mm -hmm. ain't right, uh, they're going to speak out. Now, the Title I schools will speak out too, However, sometimes some of them may not feel as inclined to do so, either mm -hmm. for not feeling like they're going to be supported or they don't really have time because they got to go to work and provide. Mm -hmm. So um, what are um, some things you, you can share with us in terms of ways in which parents can advocate for their children if they happen to yeah. be struggling with behavior or learning or just um, social interaction? Uh, what are mm -hmm. your thoughts on that? The, the biggest thing for me would be being informed. Um, and so that's why I created the Daily K podcast through the KGTV channel um, is the, the mission, almost mission statement of this is bridging the gap between the school and the community. That is all my podcast is about. And so then doing that, I'm looking at how do we get resources together, but then also how do I give parents the things that they need to go into that school and feel comfortable enough to talk uh, to those people, you know, because you think about uh, special education and all the complexities of it. So then I had people on to talk about co-teaching, you know, what does it look like at school? What should it look like at school? And mm -hmm. what to happen when you don't see things looking like that? What questions do you ask? Uh, you know, autism, I have people come on and talk about that. So the best way that you can advocate advocate for your kids that I've seen, man, is by being informed and knowing uh, the right questions to ask. Mm, wow. And um, research, you said Daily K. I want to make sure I quoted you correctly. Did you say? Yes, yeah, sir. Okay, what's the Daily K? So, uh, right, the Daily K is the name of the podcast. So, KTTV wow. is the, uh, the channel. Mm -hmm. And then, so the Daily K is the podcast. Uh, hmm. that I put out weekly. So I, I'm doing two right now. I have one oh, uh, that's called The Daily K, mm -hmm. and then I have one called um, Sunshine and Rain, and so just the joys and pains of living in the Black community. Oh, and so, yes, sir. Right? So yes, if sir. tune in to uh, Sunshine, what would they get as opposed to The Daily K? Mm -hmm. So The Daily K is, like I say, the biggest thing about that is is bringing uh, resources uh, to the community. And so then you'll see a lot of entrepreneurs who are giving out free consultations or willing to share their resources 
mm-hmm. um, you know, just entrepreneurs where you can learn about nutrition or, or like I say, special mm-hmm. ed, they own consulting groups. Also, mm-hmm. that is a lot of what the Daily K is about. We also talk mm-hmm. to uh, wellness. I know I have a thing called Wellness Wednesday through the Daily K, but it's still a lot of entrepreneurs who are giving back their knowledge, their information, resources. Mm-hmm. Um, with the Sunshine uh, podcast, Sunshine and Rain, Mm-hmm. We we only did our first episode, but the first episode, as we talk about the joys and pains of living in our community, mm-hmm. uh, we talked about the, that was the podcast about the emotional intelligence and the emotional uh, literacy of mm-hmm. African American men and how it relates to uh, our relationships from when we we're little all the way till uh, growing up. And so that was something that I really wanted to talk about uh, specifically as focusing on our community and how we stop retreating or stop mm. turning that lack of communication into anger mm. because it's not getting us anywhere. Oh, you, you ain't lying, brother. Uh, yes. you, you have lived experience as a black man yourself. Um, if you could pinpoint one or two eye-opening um, revelations that you got out of that most recent podcast you're talking about, uh, mm-hmm. what, what couple of new things that did you pick up that you hadn't previously considered? Um, just the the biases that one of them would be the biases that we unintentionally place on young men mm. uh, as they as they as we raise them. Mm. You know, uh, in the educational class, you would say, "Let me get two strong boys." You know, but in the elementary classroom, at at six and seven, how much stronger are the girls besides the boys? You know, mm-hmm. like they, they pretty much the same at, at six and seven, oh, you know. Okay. So then, so then you say, why don't you just get two strong students or, or, or mm-hmm. when the boy is crying, um, it's a problem. He's being weak. Whereas when the girl crying, you know, she's, <laughs> she's being a young lady, you know, we, mm-hmm. we teach women. It's okay from little to show your emotions mm-hmm. to, to be emotional, but from the guys, like I told my friend today on the radio show, I've seen little boys fall hard, like earth earth shattering falls. Like you should be broke. Something should be broke. And they look around to see who's there before they show emotion and cry. Oh, you know. And so this is in elementary school, and we've already told that kid mm-hmm. that showing emotion is weak. Mm. And so then, when it comes time that he has a girlfriend, now he doesn't want to talk because he don't want to show no emotion and, and talk through things. He mm. thinking his machismo and brute right. is going to make this go away, or he's just not going to say nothing and think it'll be swept under the rug. Okay. You know, and so just learning the implications of what happens in elementary school and how that goes further, if mm. we don't think about it and do something about it, that was eye-opening for me, man. You guys do it and you do it well. What's the best way for people to uh, keep in touch with you and follow your career, good brother? Yes, sir. If you want to see what's going on, uh, the, the the blessed part about this is everything is KTTV. So you can start at KTTV.com, which is K-T-E-E-V.com, uh, and that will give you all of the social media outlets. Uh, if you want to just Google KTTV, uh, that will give you uh, all of the social media outlets as well. My dear, my dear, my dear, you do not know me, but I know you very well. Now let me tell you that I can't, 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 can't you. My dear, my dear, my dear, my dear, you do not know me, but I know you very well. Now let me tell you that I can't you. Man, I look up for the Talk to me, tell me.
CWG, thetruth.com. This program is called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome, and I am very excited to have this next segment, ladies and gentlemen. If you have been paying attention to the world of politics, and I don't know how you could miss it, uh, there's been a lot that has transpired in the wake of the Democratic nomination, of course, the selection of Kamala Harris. Uh, recently, the Democrats held their Democratic National Convention to formally nominate the Biden and Harris ticket. And it was in all of its pomp and circumstance glory, uh, the very first uh, online national convention for a presidential party in the history of uh, campaigns. Uh, some would say that it was a snooze fest, but others say it was a ray of hope. So uh, Joe Biden is the nominee. And uh, there was a poignant moment during his uh, speech that I wanna talk about tonight. And to have that conversation, speaking of speech, ladies and gentlemen, this is a first for Psychotic Bum School. I am honored to bring to you uh, two specialists in the area of speech and language pathology. They are both California-based speech and language pathologists. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome for the very first time to Psychotic Bum School, my good sister, Dara Carwell Ross. And welcome back, Dawn. Dara, Dawn, are you there? Yes, we are. Yes. Thank well, you for so having us. I brought y'all here specifically because there's this thing in politics, you know, with psychologists, ladies and gentlemen, and Don and Dara. I mean, they don't want us to psychoanalyze anybody from distance. I mean, it, it comes with doing a full-on assessment, evaluation, a workup, a family history, and the whole thing. However, when someone is blatantly, blatantly displaying a particular type of behavioral pattern, for some of us, it's not that difficult to call out what it is. And so whether people are being kind-hearted and sympathetic to it or not, um, if you're on the national spotlight, as these two candidates are, uh, certain things are going to be considered fair game, whether they're kind or not. And one of the things that's come front and center has been uh, the, the speaking mannerisms of Joe Biden and Frankly, you know, I'll just say his fitness, his mental fitness for office, you know, based upon that, people feel like he stutters and stumbles. 
and they have ridiculed them for that. So you ladies know firsthand the difficulties that some of our clients face when they're dealing with and living with a speech-related uh, disorder. Um, I have something I'd like to play for y'all. And um, I want to get your opinion on this young man. His name is Braden Harrington. He's a 13-year-old young man. I believe he's out of New Hampshire. And uh, he actually spoke at the recent Democratic convention that nominated Joe Biden as the presidential nominee for the Democrats. And he gave a very, very moving uh, speech on behalf of Joe Biden. So I would like to play this clip of Braden Harrington, 13-year-old, and I'd love to get you two ladies to respond to it, okay? Okay. All right, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Braden Harrington out of New Hampshire. My name is Braden Harrington, and I'm 13 years old. And without Joe Biden, I wouldn't be talking to you today. About a few months ago, I met him in New Hampshire. He told me that we were members of the same club. We, we stutter. It was really amazing to hear that someone like me became vice president. He told me about a book of poems by Yeats he would read out loud to practice. He showed me how he marks his addresses to make them easier to say out loud. So I did the same thing today. And now I'm here talking to you today. About the future, about our future. My family often says when the world feels better before before talking about something normal like going to the movies we all want the world to feel better we need the world to feel better i'm just a regular kid and in a short amount of time joe biden made me more confident about something that's bothered me my whole life joe biden cared imagine what he could do for all of us Kids like me are counting on you to elect someone we can all look up to. Someone who cares. Someone who will make our country and the world feel better. We're counting on you to elect Joe Biden. Okay, so we're gonna talk about the, 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 the simple humanity of that in just a second, but as speech and language pathologists, as Dara and Don are. Ladies, can you describe what you just heard? Uh, speech is an auditory phenomenon. So uh, let's go to Don. Don, uh, how would you describe what you just heard? I would definitely say that the particular um, speaker is a stutterer as he self-proclaimed, mm -hmm. which was accurate. I would say that he's a moderate stutterer. Um, I would say that definitely at some particular point in time in his life, he perhaps was a moderate to severe stutterer, but he sounds like he is putting in practices mm. to um, be able to self-correct, et cetera, in order to be able to diminish the disorder that he has. Mm. And for people that believe that you cannot get a handle on stutterer, stuttering, that is absolutely incorrect. So, 
I do believe that this gentleman with um, continued practice will go on one day to be able to um, never stutter, stutter again if he um, puts in diligent practice and um, consistency over time. You probably won't even be able to tell that he ever did. Absolutely. He may even, absolutely. He may even run for president one day, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Look absolutely. at that. Uh, Dara, how about you? What's your take? Yeah. Um, well, definitely, like Don mentioned, I see some disfluencies there, um, and it would be classified as stuttering. For me, I really see things in a spectrum, and I really think one of the things he was doing, you know, he had some some prolongations, he had some repetitions, you know, certain sounds that probably mm -hmm. trigger the stuttering. Mm -hmm. um, and that's none of, one of the things that happens with stuttering is that sometimes there's certain sounds or certain um, words that actually they can predict and know that they're gonna have more difficulty with. So there's kind of psycho psychological components to it too. Mm -hmm. So what comes to mind for me is everybody has form as as speakers we all have some form of disfluencies and we do compensate in different ways for mm -hmm. those disfluencies and mm -hmm. the spectrum for him is more on the stuttering side he has more disfluencies than the average person but every single person has them mm -hmm. and so you know for me it just is like he's just normal as a speech therapist i see language as being so fluid i don't see you know, I mean, I'm like, oh, we just would need some, you know, he needs some assistance here and there, but he's doing a great job. He is yes. in front of an audience of millions. I mean, Absolutely. you know what I mean? So all of those components are like, wow. I'm just like amazed by him, you know? So I actually, I actually, yeah, you know, I just feel so proud. And just, I'm just, that's the kind of reaction that I have as a speech yeah. therapist. Like, wow. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I, I don't, he got a lot of support online. People were, who have long lived with this um, phenomenon have said, wow, you're way braver than I would have been under similar yeah. circumstances. So let's dive in because uh, I, I love the way you both describe what was happening there for lay people that might be listening, including myself. I mean, I, I don't know speech pathology. So when he was like stutter, uh, he kind of got caught on his S and I, I kind of wrote down, he, he stumbled on the word about, it was like, uh, 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 about. uh, can you go, Don, can you go a little bit further? What, what was happening right there? What, is there, what causes someone to maybe perhaps stumble, particularly with their S's? If it's a specific letter or sound, uh, what does that say about the particular pathology that they're experiencing? Well, before we actually even get to the actual sounds, which we, we call phonemes in the speech therapy world, mm -hmm. um, we typically do case studies, period, in order to address concerns. Just like Dara mentioned, sometimes there could be certain psychological aspects to um, stuttering. Some people study, stutter in um, um, environments that bring them anxiety. That's right. So, exactly. And so obviously that gentleman was in an environment amongst millions of people. Yeah. Um, so that, that could cause what we call some, some cause onsets, what we call onsets, as well as some people uh, stutter in the presence of one person more than they do than another. So we typically take an, an, an etymology of just what their overall case history is in the first place that will kind of even precipitate bringing on this type of condition initially. And then once it gets to the... the, the I mean, the political... Now, 
Sorry about that. Go ahead. No problem. Once we get to the phonemic sounds and um, and in terms of when they actually have difficulty saying certain things, sometimes when you're dealing with silent sounds like S's, etc., it brings about a, a little bit of diff difficulty. They have to also place their articulators in certain positions. And when I say articulators, that's everything from your lips to your teeth to the upper roof of your mouth. Um, your whole entire jaw structure, et cetera, and the muscles in your face, which there's hundreds of mm. muscles in your face that people don't realize. And mm. formulating and coordinating all of that takes a great deal of effort that a lot of us have already mastered and others not so much. So mm -hmm. just yeah. putting exactly. a lot of that together, exactly. Being able to coordinate all of those skills um, just requires practice. It requires excessive practice. And I love how Dora said that it, it's a spectrum and, um, everyone, she brought up a point that I was going to say as well too. Everyone has what we call normal disfluencies mm -hmm. and Rome, even when you introduced the whole gentleman segment, you did a normal disfluency and you mm -hmm. said the, 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 um, and then mm -hmm. you came on with your thought. Um, so we all have natural and normal disfluencies in each and every person. So that was an excellent point that Dara made. And so this gentleman and others just may need a few additional assistive um, prompts, cues, or tools and tips. And eventually we all can be fluid to some degree. Absolutely. Yes, this is KCWG, the truth.com's program is called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. We're listening to these two amazing speech and language pathologists, Dara Caldwell Ross and Dawn. So that was an audio clip that you both heard. So I actually had the video and I, I don't know if you heard him rustling paper, but he was holding up paper to show how mm. Joe Biden taught him how to make certain highlights to, mm -hmm. to make his whatever he's going to read off of a little bit easier to do so. Because Joe Biden, of course, uses a teleprompter. And so when that sheet is fed into the, the prompter, it probably has to have certain cues on it to remind him to, to do something. And I noticed with Braden, I don't know if y'all heard, he took a deep breath. Uh -huh. Did y'all hear that? So Absolutely. Dara, can you talk about what, how important is breath and breathing when someone is dealing with an articulation disorder? Sure, yes. So Don mentioned earlier about the coordination of the articulators and, and everything. So included in that is our resonance and our speaking, the um, air that we have to take in, breathing. Mm -hmm. And so that's another component to the coordinating. And so those pauses in between, you teach a person who's stuttering how to kind of speak smoothly and be able to know when to take those breaks. You know, maybe when there's a period, that's when we can take our breath. So you, you kind of, especially with, with if there's a script right in front and in general stuttering is less there's less occurrences of the stuttering um instances when a person is reading versus if it's something that's spontaneous so there's more success in reading situations because you can already predict right what's going to be what the phrase is going to be and how to actually make those pauses and breaks so i think that he was probably taking a break he might have felt some anxiety in that moment and also mm -hmm. trying to get his his collect his thoughts. I also think the pressure of the situation also brought in that. But yeah. all of those kind of things were were kind of, you know, what he was using to comp to compensate, right, for those um, disfluencies. Yo, yo, what's up, everybody? This is your man, Eric Rico. And you're currently in tune to Psychotic Bump School with your host, DJ Rome, on KCWGTheTruth.com, the best internet radio station on the planet. Oh, <laughs> 
I'm always busy, so sorry And we don't even see each other much hardly It never stopped me from girl thinking about your body Swear to God, she's so sexy I'm thinking to myself, Lord must have blessed me Many times, I wrote many verses, girl Many lines about you and me, us together Intertwined on some, some serious ish Girl, you got it against the stuttering Got me on some long term thinking other than uh, On some diamond ring ish girl smothering We be talk, talk, talking on them late nights Taking trips to see each other, them long flights Spending tall money on you, girl, I don't mind But it's been a minute, girl, you've been on my mind Call me Each other pain and fought without ball in the fist. Loud yelling, they can hear us through the walls and the bricks. Saying what we don't mean, stabbing each other in the heart through the back and acting like the cuss just don't sting. Need to see the sun, but them clouds smoky. You was my down chick when others just went down on me. Must have saw something in me to want to birth my first. You changed my mind, raising a child on the earth that's cursed. Wonder where we went wrong on the thing so right. When our future looked bright and it could see no lights. Lit on the strip and in bed, you shot and bit on your lip. This was tighter than a leather outfit on the gimp. Was I feeling supposed to disappear, meant to be kept lost? Start on a good foot, then we eventually step off. Or is it just troubles that couples go through? Mad on the phone, can't hang up, but I'm hung up on you when you call. listen to something else because uh, soon after that he was interviewed by Lester Holt on NBC News and I want y'all to listen to this and I wonder if there's any differences in how he sounded under intense pressure as you both said because I could (laughs) who wouldn't feel pressure in a moment like that right right so in this segment he's not in front of well he is in front of millions of people because it's going on television but the the stakes are a little bit different so Mm -hmm. let's play Braden again but this time uh, during an interview segment with Lester Holt on NBC. Stand by. Sometimes people um, think that it's a, a funny thing to mock me. And it's just, I, I know I can power through it. 
Did y'all hear any distinction between that moment right there compared to when he spoke at the convention? I feel like he was a little bit more comfortable. Mm. Um, however, what I do notice is that he tends to have the same difficulty with the same region of his oral, oral, oral musculature. Um, and so and by that, I mean just his whole, his, his, mouth, his mouthing region for um, mm. the non-technical term. So the S sounds, which he stuttered previously with in the other interview, when he was trying to say the word stuttering as well as he said, I believe through, and there's another sound, um, he said an F sound. All of those are made with the teeth, the lips, and the tongue. And so we would call those labial dentals. Um, and him trying to just put together his lingual, which is the tongue, with the dental, as well as the lips. Him trying to do that seems to give him some sort of difficulty. So mm. perhaps um, him working with that, and, and, and let me say this, when, to incorporate your breathing question that you asked before, a lot of times your body is just tensed up when you're not breathing appropriately. Mm -hmm. And like Dora mentioned, we typically utilize periods as well as commas to cue us that we're to take a breath somewhere. Um, but if I may add, typically a lot of times when people are tensed up, they also grit their teeth. <laughs> and in so gritting your teeth, that's when also those particular sounds are made usually with putting your teeth together. So it could very well be that him putting his teeth to get together triggers tension, but he still has to work through those sounds and flow through them. But yeah. he definitely was still um, a little bit more relaxed and his words were more fluid um, during that particular um, interview than it was so the one where he's in the visual presence of millions of people. Right. Um, so yes, sir. Absolutely. The environment can make all the difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Don. How about you, Dara? I just like to say thank you, Don, for that really great, 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 great detailed explanation of how we produce sound. And one of the things that um, for me, my specialty at this point, I work a lot with early intervention. So I see kiddos be right at that stage, you know, where our articulation is just all murky right yes. <laughs> so so um and also languages is all coming in and so there's a typical um there's a stage that a, a lot of children go through that's called um developmental stuttering right. and that's when there's this big rush you know of language that their articulators can't really get there um to be able to produce the sounds that are needed and so for me i i look at language from a perspective of a, you know a lot of times from children and the specialty and understanding, you know, how everyone, how the sounds are produced is great. And I think that from my perspective, what I heard was more definitely that he was speaking a lot more clearly than he did um, when he spoke for the convention. Mm -hmm. um, I, I didn't pick up on all of what, um, what she did, but my ears aren't tuned necessarily the way that mm -hmm. hers were for that. Mm -hmm. um, but I did see that at least initially those those um, fricative sounds like you know the s's the v certain sounds like she was mentioning are harder for him to produce mm -hmm. um, but i didn't hear it as much in in that second segment so i felt like he did pretty well um i didn't pick up on very much the fluency at all 
So what's beautiful about what you just heard, ladies and gentlemen, we have two distinct specialists here, both Don and Dara are speech and language pathologists and they just experienced something. And by the way, that was just a real quick thing. They didn't know they were gonna listen to that. That was just spontaneous off the cuff, spur of the moment. I didn't even tell them I was gonna throw that one at them. So just in the moment, just imagine that these two experts have two slightly differing opinions about what they just experienced in the communication of that young man. What happens, ladies, when uh, the pragmatics get lost in the shuffle of all that and certain aspects of someone's stutter or articulation struggle comes across as something that is the target of, okay, I don't understand what you're saying, you're not making any sense, so now uh, you're going to be more susceptible to my teasing, to my uh, condescension. Uh, what kind of society, uh, society are we facing at that moment if we're not sensitive to the needs of students who struggle with this or clients who struggle with this? So tell you what, I want to take a break and I want to talk about exactly that. I want to talk about the humanity of a speech and language disorder. We have a presidential candidate that could very well be our next president who visibly still experiences this um, and people have questioned his fitness for office because of it. What are pragmatics? I'm acting like I know what I'm talking about, but I know a little something about it because I work in the field of special education. Uh, Don, can you tell us what, what is speech? What the, if you have a pragmatic issue, what does that mean? You do very well know just as well, Ron. You're doing a great job. <laughs> just so that you know. No, I don't. I don't. You're doing a, a great job. <laughs> thank you. I'll receive that. Thank you. No problem. So pragmatics have to do with um, someone that is well-versed in social cues. And hey, look at me doing my normal disfluences right now. Mm -hmm. It happens. Okay. It happens. Trying to, I'm, and I'm literally trying to throw my articulators together and make my teeth combine. And say this word. <laughs> look, at that. look at that. <laughs> say this word. We all do it. We so all do we, it. <laughs> we definitely um, empathize with the young man. But nevertheless, Absolutely. Pragmatic social skills are just norms that people participate in when they're out and about in the world in terms of, and, it, and it's regional, it's, it's, it's geographic in terms of from a one continent to the next, from one state to the next, from one neighborhood to the next. It's just, it's everything, but just how people, even down to your family, um, social environment, just how people interact with one another um, in terms of their social norm skills. And a lot of times, some of the children that are people that have um, special needs don't necessarily have the cues that they need in order to um, just facilitate and navigate through our world socially. And they may need a little bit of additional assistance and support sometimes. Absolutely. Uh, Dara, does that come across differently culturally? Because uh, Don kind of alluded to it, but do pragmatics uh, present the same way, whether it's a white child or white client, black client, Hispanic client, Middle Eastern client? Uh, what do you, what have been your experience? I know you deal with the little, little people, but mm -hmm. so far, what's been your experience with that? So um, the way that we look at pragmatics and the population that I work with is more about those shared experiences that are had with a person and you know their child their caregiver or their parent and so we break it down to things like joint attention right so are we both are you able to look at what i'm pointing to and do you reference me back to recognize that i'm looking at it too making sure you know mm -hmm. so 
it's mm -hmm. a, a lot more about those shared interests. And mm -hmm. for me, as a speech pathologist, um, looking at shared interests and, and, and other ideals is kind of, if you mention it and how it relates to us as Black people and African Americans and various races, those shared interests, interests can be kind of determined by who you're sharing it with, right? That's right. And so, mm -hmm. <laughs> and so you know, um, for your family, if you know you have a certain type of interest and then you're moving into a school district and those interests are different on top of the fact that you have your stuttering going on then there's going to be a huge gap and not yeah. as much of an understanding of what this child's needs are right mm -hmm. so I, I that's the way i look at it it's from more of the shared interest and and if and if a caregiver or a person who's working with this child um, they need to get to the level of the child so that they can have more of a shared interest in what the child has, right? That's what we are supposed to be doing as, as professionals. But oftentimes that gap or that bridge might not be able to be made. And so that's, what, that's where we come in, I think, as speech therapists, Absolutely. to help bridge. Well, here's the million dollar question. Here's the million dollar question. What connection, if any, does speech have towards intelligence and mental capacity? Uh, is there any link whatsoever? Wow. What? So I guess, either go ahead. One. Yeah, either one of y'all. <laughs> so could you repeat the question? Because I want to make sure that you didn't say the word stuttering. I only heard the word speech, but I just want to make sure. Ooh, I did say speech. So, okay, okay so let, let me, okay. So what connection does stuttering have towards intelligence? Is there any causal link whatsoever? None. Come on, speak on, can you speak on that a little bit, because I think. Would you been... agree, Dara? <laughs> Zilch, yeah, none Zilch, whatsoever. None. And, in some, and, in, and in some and in some cultures and communities, stuttering is a part of how they talk, right? So, mm -hmm. like, like in certain African communities, you know, we stutter to emphasize certain things. So, I mean, mm -hmm. it's not it's not so much about cognitive. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. Definitely not. Definitely yeah. okay. So, and if I may add, um, I've been so waiting, I'm bursting to be able to say this phrase. Um, I worked for an environment that was not at all um, exposed to the African-American culture um, when I first became a speech language pathologist. And immediately once um, President Barack Obama was appointed for presidency, a lot of people were upset um and the first initial attack that they put towards him was that he was not a good speaker not oh, at yeah. all a good oh, orator <laughs> and that he uh -huh. was a stutterer that See. was the first accusation um lent towards him and i was appalled to be in the presence of those that thought that way and some of them were actually speech language pathologists wow. believe it or not mm. that was the initial attack upon his person and my rebuttal to their statement especially being someone that comes from the south um we speak very slowly in the south we pace ourselves mm -hmm. when we speak i actually had to um increase my speech upon moving to California because everybody speaks so rapidly here. So I stutter here myself as a speech language pathologist more than I've ever stuttered in my entire life because I'm constantly speaking extremely fast. Like, you know, an, an East Coast person or a West Coast person, the, dia the dialect is very fast paced. And so in the South, 
we literally will let an elder take how, however long they need to talk. No one is rushing them, which is one of the main causes of, of people that do stutter, especially yes. moderate to, rare, to severe stutterers. Um, people that are constantly, hurry up, hurry up, get your thought up, make, what's your point? I didn't grow mm -hmm. up with anybody ever saying, what's your point, ever. Mm -hmm hurry up and say it. You sit and you value your, your speaker, the listener values the speaker and you just listen. And when they're done, they'll, there's a cue to let you know when they're done, but you listen. Even so much to where if they take a pause to get their thoughts together, you still wait until they're done with their full contribution to the conversation. And so mm -hmm. my rebuttal to the Obama, Mr. President Obama attack was that he actually is a person that actually thinks while he's speaking. Come on. Hello. Come and on. that is a quality to be commended. Mm -hmm. um, and so I love the fact that he went on to be heralded as one of the greatest orators that we actually ever had. Absolutely. Take that, white supremacy. <laughs> <laughs> like, still yet again, uh, defying the, the, the odds and the perception. So, wow, that, that's really powerful. Can I? Yeah, go Can ahead. Can I chime uh, in real quick? Yeah, go ahead. One of the things that came to mind when, when Don was mentioning, you know, her experience and how people speak a lot, the pace is a lot slower, right? In mm -hmm. the South. Mm -hmm. Well, my um, son, when he was about three and a half, maybe almost four, he started to stutter, right? Mm -hmm. And um, that's quite an experience for a speech pathologist to who knows like, okay, this is developmental stuttering. Now let right. me practice what, let me practice now what I pre preach. Does this actually work when I'm teaching, you know, parents? So right. I- let, um, let me find out how good I really am, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh my She's God. She's great. She's great. Oh, <laughs> it's know. constant, constantly wow. learning about how good I really am with my children, no, but yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, so anyways, there was this, these moments where he would just, I mean, and it, he would go into these disfluencies and it would come when right before he would even say my name i mean it was pretty pretty severe and i actually mm -hmm. recorded it but that was the number one thing that you know we were taught and and that i tell parents is that you just let them go through that and yes. watch them attentively and mm -hmm. you know encourage encourage them their thoughts process you never finish their you know their phrases or yes. you don't come in and, and interrupt mm -hmm. But then, right. you know what? That's what we should do generally with everybody, right? We should kind of listen to what people are saying as much as exactly. we can and be good listeners. So it's basically you're forced to really become a good listener if you exactly. want your child to succeed. <laughs> oh, Absolutely. Wow. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, that's, that's right. My next question, I mean, because uh, I want to talk to you about how to affirm young uh, Black men in particular, or Black young girls in particular, because we're facing societal issues that other communities don't deal with. Like if they're pulled over or if they're in front of a principal and they have to explain what happened and somebody might not extend that level of grace and time and patience for them to get their thoughts out and together and organized in such a way that, you know, meets their expectation, they could face some trouble for that. And so I also want to talk about autism, too, but just in terms of ways in which we can affirm, uh, what would you two ladies suggest in ways in which we can support someone to be prepared to expect that society may sometimes, they may not have that level of patience and kindness and understanding uh, with their particular way of uh, delivering communication. Don, can you speak to that a little bit? 
Absolutely. And you just brought up a very profound bombshell of a question, uh, Mr. Rome, by the way, um, especially with um, the current climate of the overall request and plead for an, an overhaul for um, the police departments in terms of eradicating police brutality. That's right. Because as with um, a lot of our African-American men specifically, not to say that others are not, you know, pulled over and addressed by, by the police as well, but being that uh, the number of deaths occur in our culture more so than any other culture, Right. Um, when you pull up on an African-American brother, um, not only does he have whatever traumas that he has had to deal with as an African-American man uh, navigating America that possibly mm -hmm. comes to his, for, his, 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 that possibly comes to mind at that particular moment, see my natural disfluency, I catch him all the time, Bless in your order heart. Mm -hmm. to occur, in order to encourage all stutterers, but nevertheless, mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. In order for him to, um, to 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 deal with the situation that's at hand, he already is living in an, an a constant state of anxiety as a black man, just period. And now, when you embark upon a police that's approaching him that may or may not not only have a gun but take his life, mm -hmm. the thought collision train wreck that mm -hmm. comes to your frontal lobe in order to yeah. develop your executive decision making, et cetera, mm -hmm. and figuring out, let alone from that, mm -hmm. to translate that into your, your oral musculatures in order to determine what to say, when to say what, and how not to stammer or whatever the case may be. All types of things are just flooding your psyche, your brain, your mind, your, your, your mouth, in order to just mm -hmm. articulate well what you need to say. And needless to say, Someone with a lot of, 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 of the baggage that we come with as African-Americans, a speech is possibly not going to come out all that smoothly. That's right. We're dealing with these authority right. figures and authority figures alone generate anxiety yep. towards yep. speech, period. It doesn't That's even have true. to be a policeman. So especially in those environments, it's Absolutely. more difficult. Yeah. Absolutely. And so to add to that, it really does need to be an empathetic um, component um, within the training and the retraining of officers, um, yeah. just in terms of approaching people because different cultures have different traumas, et cetera, and they need to be um, good listeners, like Dara mentioned uh -huh. Uh -huh. earlier. They need to be good listeners just as much as they are authoritative figures That's speaking right. to their clients. There you yes. go. Yes, beautiful. Uh -huh. Okay, Dar, I'm gonna have you pick up right there, but uh, we, we have a few more minutes left. But I, I'm wondering if you can speak to what Don just said. And if you can, can you include uh, the component of, of autism in there and what impact that might play into a speech uh, pathological presentation? Can you speak to that a little bit, Dar? Sure. So, um... Yes, there's a lot of components. Number there's one, I don't necessarily, <laughs> I know there are. Mm -hmm. I, um, so in this scenario, a person with autism who's pulled over by a police officer. Um, and to me, the number one thing is that we really, like Don was mentioning, we need to have the police officers have the support and education and maybe even 
provide an alternative person, right? Yep. To come in in those a moments specialist. when yeah. a specialist, right? Yes. To come in in those moments who actually understand the dynamics of, you know, the, the, the person that they're dealing with, right? Right. So right. to me, that's the number one thing because yeah. like you said, it's the specialist. We, we have the specialty in a certain area and maybe they have a general idea and like you said, the listening component can be a general idea of what to do, but they need to bring in specialists. They need to have another person who actually deals with these people to help them with how to relate to a specific um, case. Or it could be a matter, absolutely. It could be a matter of life or death, whether that kid will go exactly. home. Exactly. You know, that's deep. Exactly. Deep. Yes. Yeah. So with autism, what comes up, I mean, even the eye contact might not be there. There's all of these, mm -hmm. um, there's all of these nonverbal um, yes. choose that we communicate to one another that's very important in how we communicate um, even with the mask I mean that even adds some more drama uh, to it right right that's right <laughs> so so I mean there's a lot to unpack in all of this but I think if we you know it, it takes a team effort and number one bring people who understand these these methods or understand the clients that the wide array of, of people that police officers deal with um, mm -hmm. and have those professionals assist in That's any right. way that we can, yeah. Just imagine if people did really avail themselves to uh, reimagining of police departments and they had <laughs> maybe yeah. three of us go out on a call or people like us who had the sensitivities and you know, embody that empathetic response that Don was talking about so that we could, you know, calm somebody down and get them to uh, hopefully comply and, you know, make it home, you know, make it out alive just because yeah. we understand what's really happening. Because I get nervous, like Don and you said, it's like uh -huh. when it's like white coat syndrome when you're going to see a doctor. It's like yes. blood pressure was fine until I got it. <laughs> now I'm all about that life. You think I eat, you know, 12 plates of pork? You know, <laughs> right now, I can't function normally. Right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, um, this is Dara Caldwell Ross, as well as Don, amazing speech and language pathologist out of California. Ladies, I cannot thank you enough for being here with us. This is such an important discussion as we look ahead to the November elections and the prospect of this particular nominee on the Democratic side. We ain't even talked about the other candidate and his needs and exceptionalities. I'll leave that for another conversation, but uh, it's important that we extend empathy to, to our citizens and fellow brethren and sisterin who are living with this. And it's, it does not bespeak a capacity of- At all. It, it's doesn't, um, it's not a tell that they're trying to hide, that they're not up for the task. It's just a phenomenon that is easily accommodated with just a simple uh, extension of your heart and uh, an understanding of what they are presenting. And if you just look into your heart of hearts and mind of mind, um, you'll probably be forced to admit that you have a little bit of a implicit bias about who uh, you're listening to and characterizing in such a manner that uh, you would disparage them, but it, they, they don't deserve that. So I would warn everyone that uh, before you reach a conclusion, about the fitness of either one of these candidates, uh, make sure you speak to somebody who knows what the heck they're talking about. Oh, wow. On a regular basis. That's real. Okay? All right. So, Dara and Don, uh, I hope you'll come back and join us again. Will you both come back and join us again on Psychotic Bump School? 
more than happy Most to. Definitely. This was a pleasure. Well, that's our show, y'all. Psychotic Bump School is the place where education and entertainment meet at the intersection of funk and soul. My name is DJ Rome, and I want to thank you for joining us this evening. Check back with us. We shall return next week. Also want to thank our very special guests for the evening, the good brother Kendrick Thomas out of Houston, Texas, and out of California, Don, as well as Dara Caldwell-Ross. Thanks, y'all. Also want to remind you that if you want to keep in touch with us, we're on Instagram at psychotic underscore bump underscore school. We have a psychotic bump school Facebook page. And if you have any questions or you want to send us feedback, it's scibumpschool at gmail.com. Also want to send a shout out to Frank Starks, who is the Iron Man behind the board. And we're out of here, y'all. Take care.